You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back after a a week off and a very uh, busy week off. Uh, Myself, Eric Schlitter here to answer your Detroit Lions questions. I'm at Detroit Online. Eric Schlitt over there, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, is at Eric Schlitt. Um, Eric, buddy, how are you yeah. doing, man? It feels like it's been months. <laughs> it's, it's You've been- had a busy week. I've had a mildly busy week. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, have you have you recovered, first of all? Oh no! Great. No, no okay. look, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't sign someone in the last 24 hours. That's helped. Sure. Um, so just wait. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's keep going. There's lots of fun stuff, man. Like, I've got, I've got a couple of articles that are that, that just keep getting pushed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there's plenty of other stuff going on. Plenty of fun stuff to get to to cover, and uh, I'm sure the uh, the question mailbag is going to be absolutely loaded beyond what we can get, you know, feasibly get done. Right, so. and I'm and I'm going to kick it down the line a little bit because I want you and I to just talk a little bit here. But in yeah, case I, I didn't really do a proper intro here, this is a midweek mailbag where we take your questions. They're usually live from either Twitch. Or Twitter. Make sure you're following us on both platforms. You can send us questions with the hashtag AskPOD on Twitter, or you can join us live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit to ask questions. But we haven't really had a basic talk here, Eric, about how you have it. Um, yeah, no, yeah, you've gone, we went, you came home. Yeah. And I basically took a nap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, um, and then 48 hours later when you woke up. Yeah. And, and like, and then, uh, then uh, Gardner Johnson gets signed, and yeah. it's just been just go. And so we haven't really like re- touched base and talked about anything. It's just it was just go 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 yeah. for the last fourteen days. Well, the the people are dying to know, Eric. Just yeah. I, I'm just going to ask you a very basic question: like, how did they do? How are you feeling right now? Well, I'll tell you, it's not often that you go into an off season and they get the two top targets that you wanted. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, like I went into this off season. I'm like, this guy makes a ton of sense. This guy makes a ton of sense. And they got both. And if they had just gotten Gardner Johnson and Graham Glasgow, I would have been pretty happy. I would have been like, all right, we're moving in the right direction. But then on top of the other additions, on top of the pay cuts to stay on top of the, the way things have been structured, like it's just, uh, there's kudos all around for for what the Lions have been able to accomplish. You there's guys that are probably going unrecognized, like Brandon Sosna, who is their uh, chief negotiator, uh, you know, contract negotiator. Uh, he's basically like right underneath Disner. Um, 
Man, Disner probably has got to get a lot of credit for what he's yeah. been able to do. The the scouting department being able to go after and, and target guys, and then just the aggressiveness. It's it, there was no nonsense. It was this is the guy we want. We're going to go after him. You don't. He's not available. Boom. Next, we're going after this guy, and then and it was like aggressive, targeted, and then boom, 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 boom. And now all of a sudden, this is a roster that is more complete than we have seen in probably the decade that we've you know been yeah. covering the team. You know what sure. I mean? Like, so it is a. It was it was an exhausting eight, nine, ten days, and Brad Holmes definitely lied to us. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Right. And uh, but you're looking at a situation where you have now six guys at corner that started uh, last year. Right. Like you got four guys on the outside that started. You got two slot nickels that started. You've got a, an opportunity to go into the draft with five picks in the top. What? Eighty one. And maybe one of them might start. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 then now f- all five might start a year from now, right? But like, they can add five guys in the top eighty-one and not have to worry about any of them starting because they yeah. could walk in with this team right now. And so, there's just there is a lot to like, and it was exhausting to cover, but it was, <laughs> but it was you you have to love what has happened, the outcome. Right. Yeah. And, and they're not totally done, but they're close. And we'll yeah. talk about that, probably why they're close. Um, but I'm pretty happy with the aggressiveness and the targeted direction that they that they went after. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone to just pause your podcast feed now and go take a cold shower. You might need one after that whole <laughs> ramble. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, they did exactly what I think a lot of us wanted to, right. And, and you, yeah. mentioned it, I had mentioned it, like, could this be the off season where the Lions attack cornerback, like they did at wide receiver in the past? And the answer is that's exactly yep. what they did. They did exactly yep. what a lot, what Lions fans wanted, which it's not always a good thing. You know, Lions fans think they know the team better than, than the owner. Sometimes they, but this, it, it felt too smart, too obvious, and and the way they maneuvered the cap, the way that they, um, like you said, had had aggressiveness uh, when they needed to. I think, I mean, just I, I keep thinking about the CJ Gardner Johnson signing, and being like that came out of nowhere, man. I thought they were done at corner. I would have been fine with what they were had done at corner, but I think they saw an opportunity there and was like, let's swoop in and see if we can pull something magical off, and they did. And so now. You're uh, the expectations, which were already pretty damn high after an eight and two finish to the season suddenly. And you're seeing it go national now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, nationally, we're not talking about just NFC North leaders and, and winners and, and, and all that stuff. We we are potentially talking about something bigger. And we'll, again, we'll get into all that. But let's let's get into some of the nitty gritty here. Let's get into some of your guys' question, because this is a midweek mailbag. And we are now a couple minutes into this podcast and haven't asked, <laughs> answered a question yet. So. um. I want to jump to some of that cap maneuvering stuff because we have gotten a lot of questions about this throughout the week. Yeah. Um, Devin on, on Twitter at Windsor, right? 44 S the lines backloading their contracts. Is there any concern about our cap situation entering the off season? Do you think this may point to them moving away from golf in order to pay guys like Panay Sewell, Amon Ra, Jonah Jackson's another guy that's coming up. So um, what do you, so yes, first of all, 
lines have done a lot of backloading. They've added some yeah. void years. What does that mean to you? Not as much as as it's being made out to be, because they've 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 been really uh, specific in how they've wanted to do it, and they've only done it a little bit in each of the next three years. So it's not like they've just been like, okay, we've got twenty thousand or twenty million dollars in voided in in money on voided contracts and it's all coming due next year it's spread out it's 6.4 hitting in, in 2024 it's 6.4 hitting in 2025 6.6 hitting in 2026 and so like and that's right in line with where they are now because this year Tark counted for a six million on on his own and then you add in the fact that brockers the brockers cut cost another four like they they went into this offseason with more dead cap than they're pushing into the next offseason, right? And you also have to consider the fact that like when you're pushing money into next season, your a dollar today is going to cost less tomorrow than it yep. does today. So like while 6.4 is, you know, it seems it's that's a X portion of the cap right now, it's going to be Y portion of the cap tomorrow, which is going to be a little bit lower. And so they're pushing money, but it's going to be lower. It's it's kind of like why you get a mortgage on a house, right? Like you're 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 pushing off having to to pay that money, and you're being able to use more of it now to make other moves to upgrade the house that you're living in. And so that's kind of what it is. It's 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 they're they're investing, but they're trying to extend to give them more money to be competitive, while also not overspending to where it's going to cost them too much down the line. And I think the other reason you backload, and that's what the void years, the, the whole backloading contract thing, that's what everyone does. And it's for a very yeah, it's specific reason. It's yeah. for a very specific reason, right? It's because yeah. a lot of those last years and all of those contracts are never going to be seen. A lot of three-year deals are actually two-year deals. A lot of two-year deals are actually one-year deals. And that's just a way of kind of dangling a carrot for some of these guys saying like, hey, I, I think John Kaminsky's contract is is, first of all, the best contract that they signed this entire free agency and is a perfect example of this where it's like, he's yeah. a two something million dollar cap hit this year, a $1 million salary. What is it? Yeah. He, he's okay. So Kaminsky's numbers are, um, he's 2.3. Let me just double check. Yeah, 2.3 cap hit this year, but he has 3.5 invested. And so that means he only carries 1.2 into next year. So if he doesn't do well, they can move on. If he does do well, then he gets a nice boost because he's got like a $5 million base that kicks in. So it's a it's a win win situation. And that's a perfect example, I think, that you uh, identified there. It's 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 a contract that looks big. I think the the numbers are technically what, two and eight and a half million. But in essence, it's a one and one year deal for three and a half. Yep. And then a five-year potential on there. And so the the numbers look a little bit bigger than maybe they are. And I think this is just a common strategy for teams because, one, like you said, the salary cap is always rising. So money tomorrow is worth less than money today. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it says anything about Jared Goff in the future because the other thing that they did to create free agent space has nothing to do with the future. And it's asking for those guys to drop to cut some of their salary, right? Asking Romeo Quar to take a $9 million salary cup and it cut cap hit uh, cap cut and a uh, uh, Charles Harris, 3 million. Those are, those are moves that only affect their numbers now. And obviously yeah. you, you can carry over caps, but I think 
it shows that the reason that maybe they did this to, and I wouldn't even say they did it to an extreme, but the reason why they're backloading, the reason why they're added voiding years is because they want to spend the, they wanted to spend this year. They wanted to be a big spender. And I think the fact that they made those salary cap, those salary cuts um, are big, big, big evidence that like they wanted to be aggressive. And I, they're, they're not, they're not going to make any huge like but Bobby Wagner. I, I said this on the last, but Bobby Wagner's not coming here. Like we we, we can we that ship has no. sailed. They're not gonna yeah. do that, but they're also probably not done. And uh there could be one or two significant signings left, and they have now they have the space to do it. If we look at their if we look at their strategies and and how they've approached roster building in the past, um they typically add about 12 or 13 undrafted players in addition to their drafted players. Um, well, that's probably so probably lower, right? Like we well, you imagine it's, now it's, it's probably well, it's possible. Lower. It's possible. Let's just, let's for argument's sake, let's say it's sure. 12. Okay. And you have eight draft picks. So now you have, that's 20 rookies that you're, that you're going to bring in. Well, the roster right now six sits at 67. So that means there's three spots mm-hmm. open. So if you take, you know, four less, uh, UDFAs, well, then you can add a couple more, uh, uh, you know, free guys in free agency. But at the same time, like it, the the idea that like they're they're, they're probably close to done. Yeah. You know what I mean? In all honesty, because the, they're probably going to bring in, I would say, at least 16 rookies, maybe 16 to 20. Um, and that means there's what you've got three to seven guys that you that you're targeting in free agency. One of them is probably going to be a quarterback. Maybe DJ Chark is still in uh, a whisper on the wind here. You've got other a few other guys uh, that you're really ruining all my segues out. here. We're, oh, we got sorry, questions sorry, about sorry. all these things. Um, but then there's like a couple of like yeah. you know guys, maybe a guy or two that you want to bring bring back, right? Because sure. there's a couple of those guys out there that are yep. appealing, and so they're they're probably not in a, in a spot where they're going to be like you said, targeting a Bobby Wagner type of thing, but. They're not, it doesn't necessarily mean they're done. Right. They could, they can still be very deliberate in adding a, a guy or two, and they've got the movement for it. And then, boy, oh boy, let's just add 20 rookies and see what happens. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, like, and again, crazy. like that, that's the thing that really has me kind of jaw dropped to the floor is like they're built to win now and they are built to win in the future. They, they have right. such a, an opportunity where their window can be open for so long starting this year it's really kind of amazing. And and I don't want, I would say unprecedented in Detroit, maybe not unprecedented across the NFL, but it's uh it's an interesting time here. Um, it's one of those. It's good. Go. I was going to say, it, I sent you um, a screenshot of one of my projects looking at the 2024 season, like where, who do they have under contract beyond 2023? And I feel like that's even more filled out than it has been in the past. Yeah. And it's equally spread out as well. Um, you don't have like, uh, you have a couple really obvious spots where you, you don't have, you know, talent that's under contract. Um, but they still have like 80% of the roster, like that's projected to start, like probably coming back in 2024 and that, and then you're also in a really good position to like, Hey, if these guys do well, you can bring them back. Like if Gardner Johnson does well, you're, you're, you're going to pay him. You know what I mean? Like, well, like prob- probably. The, the well, Eagles right, probably, probably thought the right? same thing, though. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. But, like, my point is they're going to have yeah. the opportunity. To. Right. right. And here's the great thing. If he doesn't 
And um, if, he, if he plays well and you d- can't resign him, well, now you're in a spot where you're going to you might lose some of these guys that maybe are in that comp pick range. Sure. Right. And yep. so then that becomes that formula comes back into play where it wasn't now, because who was the biggest free agent they lost last year? Last Jalen Reeves Maven, <laughs> right? And it's like start, you can already start to see it like increase. Yeah, like there's already five guys four, that have been Evan resigned. Brown, yeah, right. Yeah, not not any monster deals, but right. It's it's only going to get like more and more. You're going to lose more and more talented yeah. guys. Obviously, Jamal Williams is probably the biggest one. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, and that's my point is that like in years past they've lost a guy or two that's end up signing like an, a good contract. This year they've already lost six, or they probably got an opportunity. That, you know, we'll see what happens with Chark, but that'd be another guy who would be starter capable to play somewhere else. And so like you can you can see the building blocks. Yeah. They get a little bit better, and even if they lose guys, it's okay because they're still getting a little bit better. And, you know, you've got eight draft picks to load up so that if you do lose guys, you can put those guys in strategic spots so that you can um, you can recover from that loss. One of the spots that they did not hit yet is obviously quarterback. Uh, they they still only have Jared Goff under contract. So we got a question here from Scott on Twitter um, says, I worry about the second most important position on a contender QB two. I would argue. Yeah. I would argue that right off the bat, but uh, we'll, we'll let that one slide. <laughs> uh, a month ago, I hated the idea of using pick six or eighteen on a quarterback with free agency signings at other positions and no quarterback two under contract. I no longer think of that as a luxury. Is QB two now part of the draft plan? I think it was part of the draft plan, uh, but you can get QB two at a couple different spots, right? Um, I think uh, bottom with quarterback, I think they have so many different directions that they can go. They could draft a guy that at six, that can be their future. They can draft a guy on day three. That can be their future quarterback two, if not quarterback three, they can add a, a UDFA. They can add a guy in free agency and they have all these different options with only having golf. And they're probably going to add two to three of these quarterbacks at some point, but you don't exactly know where. And I think that's kind of the point. Like that's kind of what Holmes is purposefully doing is we can do anything. We're crazy. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I'm, I, 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 it's quarterback has been, there's been two positions that they've just almost completely ignored and quarterbacks, one of them. And so I do think that puts quarterback in play. Because if they're building up this roster, that's a spot that they don't have that they haven't made a long term decision on. Right. Because they haven't extended golf. They haven't. You know, so we'll see what happens. That's going to it's but that's purposeful. I think they they want to be looked at as a team that has quarterback in play. And so go ahead. I see the wheels turning. No. Yeah, that was interesting because it's it's not I hadn't thought about it in that terms of, of being a a team with only one quarterback under contract when draft day comes and everyone's like just wondering what the hell is happening because Brad Holmes went out and at the NFL combine and says like, yeah, backup quarterback is a high, high priority for us. We messed it up last year. We're not going to mess it up this year. And then they go out and sit on their hands in free agency. <laughs> and it's not a complete surprise um, because he also said in that interview, like, listen, a lot of these free agency quarterbacks, they're going to wait until after the draft because they want to know what kind of situation they're stepping into. Right. Problem is, I don't know if that's what happened. I, I, yeah. I'm writing up a piece right now and 18 backup quarterbacks have been signed in this free agency already. 18. 
There's not mm-hmm. a ton left. There's some. There's Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. There's um. There's Matt Ryan if he considers himself a backup. There, there's there's more. There are options out there, but there's not like if you're taking this seriously. There's maybe one or two options of someone you should really actually feel comfortable behind Jared Goff. But at the same bring, time, but oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say at the same time. There's not, we've said this so many times before, there's not 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, sure. much less 32 backups. So, like, you, that's why some of these guys are being overpaid. Like, if if they if the Lions went out and one of their priorities this offseason was to sign a quarterback two and they spent, like, $5 million on it, people would be mad. They would be, right? At the same, so, like, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, I, I, if none of the quarterbacks are are like you know screaming come get me well just wait for the prices to drop and if you 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 can you can still add Sudfeld you can still try and draft a guy maybe like I think Bridgewater is one of those guys that's waiting right and so Probably. we'll see how it goes like I I'm I get the quarterback two is pressing and I and I I had assumed that they'd probably already have Sudfeld back in the mix, you know, a year in the system. He's got there's there's value to that, right? Sure. Um, maybe they've got him in their hip pocket. I don't know. Maybe they're negotiating with him. I don't know. But it would be it would be more comforting to have one more on the roster. But at yeah. the same time, it's like quarterback in the draft last year. If they don't think the value is there, they're not going to press themselves. Sure. Yeah. We'll see. I do like now I do kind of I'm, I'm I'm in love with the idea of just not having another quarterback on the roster and before the draft and just leave people guessing. I do think they draft a quarterback. I couldn't I, I think it like you said, it makes sense to get one in the first round. It makes sense to maybe get one on day two that can be maybe your guy, but also a, a primary backup or get your developmental backup in day three. I think all of those approaches make sense to varying degrees and mm-hmm. all are possible. But I, I, I would also be shocked at this point if they don't eventually sign a free agency. I just don't know if whether that's going to come before or after the draft. It's there's so many different scenarios that I can see play out. Like it's, but that's, that's, I think again, that's purposeful. That means that they have so many different directions that they can go. We don't know what their plan is. Obviously they have a plan because they've been executing like as efficient as I've ever seen them. Yeah. So from, from machine to machine, like a machine recognized machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's do one more before we get out of here. In our first break, uh, Stephen A. Smith, uh, not the real one question. Merck six on Twitter <laughs> asks uh, if DJ Chark leaves, how important is filling the X receiver spot? I don't think it's as pressing as a lot of people make it out to be because you basically didn't use Jameson Williams last year. Like, you know, you, what you an end around in one pass, one <laughs> catch for a 41-yard touchdown, right? So you're basically going to be adding a first-round wide receiver to this wide receiver group. Um, it would mean that your depth is maybe a little bit more um, tenuous, especially if you don't know where Cephas is, right? Yeah. Um, but like the idea that you have to go out and get a starter or you have to go out and draft one high, I think is a, it's a little too rich for me. I, I would like to see them add depth because you want to make that unit strong in order to be effective. But 
Um, I don't think it's like you need to overpay for what you think Chark's value is uh, or that you necessarily need to spend like a first rounder because I don't know if I'm in love with the value of any of the wide receivers being a first round value. But, you know, if the right guy falls at in day two and you want to take him, then that's the spot you've put your, yourself in where you can make a move like that. So um, I'm not as concerned as a lot of Lions fans are. Yeah, I think I'm mostly in the same boat. I mean, they clearly have an interest in bringing him back, right? Like, yeah, they, they yeah. beforehand, they, they, there's continued interest. And so I think that sh- speaks to it being at least of, um, somewhat important to this offense, right? I think this offense was a lot better, even if his statistical output was low. I think that the entire offense flowed a lot better with him out there on the field. I think Josh Reynolds benefits when he's out there. I think Amon yeah. benefits when he's out there. I'm, I'm, basically, everyone, every weapon out there, Benefits from having a guy like Chark who is getting attention and, and stretching the offense and all that sort of stuff. I mean, when the Lions finally hit on the deep ball a couple times last year, it was mostly DJ Chark. And that's something that they really needed to kind of push that offense into a new octane. Um, and so I, I think it's important. I think if they can't land Chark, they're they're going to add a, a wide receiver somewhere else in, in some yeah. way. Um, it, it, it might not be a day one or day two pick. It might not be in the draft. It might be another guy out there. I know Mike pitched a couple guys in, in his free agency piece this morning. Um, you know, a, a lot of people have, have played with the idea of, of Marvin Jones, and I think it's that's where I was going. You that's... know, I, I'm not I'm not against that necessarily. They're not exactly the exact same type of, of no, receivers, but, but, but X's, but you, right? Yeah, but you know what you have is you've seen Reynolds show he can do X. He can play X once in a while. True. And so if you bring Marvin back who plays the Z, you can shift Reynolds over to the X. You can have him supplement between the X and the Z, keep JMO, and you can you can make him between the X and Z. And so instead of going with a you know predefined roles that you're static in, you can have Reynolds and JMO alternating between and then supplemented with Marvin on the outside and then Amon Ra just carving people up over the middle. And, you, you know, it's comfortable. Like, that's a comfortable move for me. I, I still prior, would prioritize Shark, but I think Marvin would be a fantastic ad. Knows the system, knows the, or knows the scheme. He's familiar with Ben because Ben was a coach when he was sure. back here previously, right? And and he, there's still enough left in the tank that he can be like this situational guy. He's probably not a starter anymore, but like – this could be the bring home campaign, you know, with, with Marvin, honestly. And so like, you know, you talked about like the fact that 18 like quarterbacks were re-signed. Do you know how many receivers have been? Like 10. Yeah. Like maybe any. Yeah. Like nothing like that. This wide receiver market is dead because I think teams are realizing that college football is a wide receiver factory. Yeah. And there are just loads of guys at every level of all these different skill sets. And so there's going to be a, a veteran that they can probably add if they don't add Shark and like a Marvin. And so, again, I, I'm not as concerned with it being as, as pressing of a need. All right. Let's take our first break here. When we come back, more of your questions about Lions free agency. And as we creep towards the draft, a lot of draft questions this week as well. So we'll answer all those when we come back on the Midweek Mailbag.
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag talking Lions free agency and looking forward to the draft. Um, I want to talk about a guy that a lot of people have brought up questions about, uh, including our Twitch chat, even though I may have told them to ask us about it. Uh, <laughs> Alapuli Vati Vaitai. Um, obviously the lions added Graham Glasgow and a lot of, and we're still kind of waiting to see the, the details of that contract, which might tell us a little bit more about what the lions plans are for Glasgow. But at the very least, he's an Evan Brown replacement that can back up center that can back up guard. Um, some think maybe he's starting capable and maybe that a Vitae release or adjustment to his contract is along the way. Eric, what is the future at right guard? What is the future of Halapuli Vati Vaitai? I think the future at right guard is a draft pick. Yeah. Um, and it's very clear to me if they want to maintain the the offensive line stability that they have, that you almost have to go that way. And the reason is, is even if you're not moving on from Vitae's contract this year, you have a big payday coming to Jonah Jackson a year from now, and then you're not going to be able to afford both his and Vitae's, and then you're maybe cutting ties with Vitae then. If he even wins the the, the, the right guard job to begin with, because like you said, Graham Glasgow is sitting there waiting to potentially take that spot. So for me, you don't have Graham beyond this year. You're probably not going to have Vitae if you are keeping Jonah Jackson, which means you're going to the draft, which means you're going to have a guy on a rookie deal that affords you the ability to be able to spend at the position and give Jonah Jackson the raise to keep your offensive line stability. So for me, right guard, filling that right guard role for the future and adding depth this year is a top 50 priority. In terms of top 50 draft pick. Top fifty draft pick. Yep. Yeah. They. I. I would expect them to spend one of their th- top three draft picks on a, a, the right guard position, the offensive line. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm with you there. Um. Obviously, they they might wait a little bit longer because a lot of times you can find just value it sure. in the third round. Absolutely. <clears throat> but but yeah, I think day one, day two, day three. I think they they take at least a guard, uh, at least one guard. But let uh, let's focus back on on Vitae because I. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's a fascinating situation. The Lions have done a lot of drastic things to save money, including, as we yeah. mentioned, you know, asking some players to take significant pay cuts, but they haven't done anything with Vita yet. And I think that was one yeah. of the contracts that definitely like three months ago, everyone was like, oh, yeah, there's no chance he's on the roster. Well, 
it's it's a it's a week and a half after free agency. The lines have made some major moves. He's still on the roster. Is he going yeah. to stay on the roster? I, I don't know, man. Like he's <laughs> he is your fourth highest paid player. Yeah, uh, cap hit wise right. this season, it's Jared Goff, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow. All makes sense, right? It's two of those guys were Pro Bowlers last year, and the other two were rookies. Right. Uh, and Decker is it's he's not in that Pro Bowl conversation because it's a it's a loaded tackle group, right? But he's top fifteen. He's in the top half of the league when you're talking about left tackles, uh, if not top ten, right? And so, and then Vitae sticks out like a sore thumb, right? And yeah. so that that unknown surrounding his contract is it's just it's a bit surprising that it hasn't been addressed right right? because they have addressed so many other things now potentially is it hey a they restructured his contract last year during the season in order to gain some much needed money they restructured his contract the year before and so maybe this the last one was like hey if you help us out now, we won't bug you next year. And maybe that was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Because I'm not sure why else it hasn't been addressed. Yeah. Um, he's due 12.5 million, which is top tier guard money. And right. I don't think he's a top tier guard. You literally have two pro bowlers on either side of that position. So you don't need to be paying top tier guard money. It you, makes more sense to pay a guy whose contract is like up to 4.5 million. Um, it, it's a subtle hint at Graham's contract. I got you. I got you. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, a, it's a big mystery, right? Like it's the one thing where they've made all of these smart moves and they and yet it hasn't been touched and it makes you wonder, you know, what's exactly going on. Um, maybe they planning on they maybe they are planning on releasing him, but they're he's still injured. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe there's some contractual stipulation behind that that we haven't really considered that we don't know because we don't have the full details. I don't know. I don't know exactly why it hasn't moved. I can tell you that they like him as a player. He's a good mentor to uh, Penny Sewell, but the the cost value for him doesn't match. And so it's it's the re- one real position that's just standing out. Like, man, what is something's gonna something's got to give there? Yeah, it, it, I find myself kind of in a weird debate, internal debate about this because it on on one level, like. They don't need to do anything about this. They're they're in an okay cap position right now. They can get rid of the contract next year, which I think we all agree is probably a, a given at this point. And so, like, yeah, you're right. It it looks weird, right? You're giving nine yeah. million in salary to a guy who's not going to live up to that, almost certainly. Um, but again, you don't like. Obviously, you're you're not a charity here, right? Like, if if a guy isn't worth the contract that he's on, then then that's something you should address. But at the same time, there's just there's not the urgency. And I don't know how good of a look it's going to be if you say, hey, Romeo, take nine million off your salary for us. Hey, hey, uh, Charles Harris, three million. Hey, Vitae, eight million. Like doing all that in one season. It it makes sense indiv- individually for each of those players because they were injured or they were all injured, right? They all didn't produce on the level that you were expecting. You ended up paying a lot more for them last year than, than they earned, so to speak. But if you, if you recoup 
15 million dollars in salary from these guys combined or more that's that's not a great look that's not i, I don't think that's that's what you want to do as an organization right by your players because built into all these contracts are understandment understandings that if you get injured so be it we paid for you that's that's how the, the this league works and so i just i don't know if if recouping the money would be the best route here for Vitai. That that said, like maybe, maybe cutting him is. Um, I you haven't really done him a great service by by waiting and, and letting all these teams spend in free agency before. So I don't I don't know what the best like I almost want to see like just leave it alone. It's not a it's not that big of a problem right now. So why don't we just like let one guy that you're appreciative of in the building earn a little bit more than he's worth? Is that is that such a big deal if if that happens when your cap situation is just okay? I don't think it's a big deal if your cap can can handle it, right? right? And and you feel like there's there's value in other ways beyond contributing, right? Yeah. Um I think another big difference between his contract and the two edge rushers is that he has 2 years left on his contract. So taking a pay cut isn't as clean as as with the other guys right. and there's more factors that go into it. The bottom line is he has 6 million dollars guaranteed over the next two years yet his his cap hit is 12 and a half each of the next two years right so if you cut him now you're gonna free up you know you'll you'll free up what six million right yeah. and then you take the other six um it affords you some money. I, I know a very, very popular thing that people suggest all the time is a June 1st cap hit. Uh, but I think the June 1st stuff gets confusing. Um, it's not just cutting the, the value in half. There's a couple nuances that go into that. Yes, you would have less of a cap hit now. Like, for example, he has $6 million due. If you do a June first cap hit, he you have to he only counts three million against the cap this year, but that three million just gets pushed into next year. And for everyone screaming about voided years, this is you're basically doing the same thing, right? You're right. pushing that money to the future, which is not something I think they want to do the way that they've been using their voided years previously. Um, at the same time, another thing that people don't realize with June first is that. When you make someone a June 1st cap casualty, that money does not become available until June 1st. So like when you if you cut Vitae and you designate him June 1st, you get none of those savings until June 1st happens. Okay, so like just designating him June 1st is not an instant money saver. The only thing it really does is it gives you money. Maybe if you're planning on using that money to sign your draft class. But most teams get their draft classes under contract in May so that because rookies don't want to be on the field without that guaranteed money. So a June 1st cap can be advantageous, but there's also nuances that don't make it just this real clean, easy right. thing where you get to you know push money off into the future. You, you have to wait for that money. And so it's not always the best situation. And, and I don't think it's necessarily as clean with Vitae. Maybe they consider it. I don't know if they necessarily would. Um, the way with it being half guaranteed and half, you get half now, they might just be, if they were to move on, I, they, they might just cut it and, and, and then, and then go from there. But 
I don't know. I it, it's a, it's a the fact that they haven't done anything. Um, it's interesting, right? At the very yeah, least, because it's just they, interesting. Yeah, because it's it's a it's an unknown. It's it's a, one of a few different things where you're like this goes against the grain of all the other moves that you've made, so it does it does stand out. All right, let's go back to some of your questions. We're going to move into a little bit of draft talk here. Uh, let's start with uh, our buddy. Jason Krolik, who always asked some good and a lot of questions here. Um, and this is a, a topic that I've started to see creep into lines discussion here. Is there a player that you would consider trading up for at six? No. No one. No, not really. Um, I don't think they need to. I don't think they would need to spend the capital. If anything, I think they're they they would want to re- go in the opposite direction. Um, and that's just not. I know you have a long-standing uh, position of wanting to trade back. Sure. Um, yeah, but um, but I, I I think he would trade up if he if he if he was there was someone targeted, right? I just don't know. I think I think you're unless you're going after one of the top three quarterbacks, I don't think you need to trade up. Um, I don't think they would go up to get. Jalen Carter. I don't think they would go up to get Will Anderson. Would Will Anderson be awesome? Yes, a hundred percent. That's that's the one that I'm circling. Is like, <clears throat> I just I, I you, think about it. You, I don't know what it would cost quite a bit yeah, to move up that, to get him. True, right? And 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 the team you're moving up with is Arizona, and Arizona's biggest need is edge rusher, so they're going to make you pay. Right. And to move up from six to three, it's going to cost you more money than you probably want. And when you're in the market, when you're in the business of trying to build capital for the, you know, down the road, sure, I, I think it it goes against it. And, yeah. and so I think they would be more likely to sit. I, if I'm Brad Holmes, I'm not trading up. Yeah, at, I, at, not from six. No, listen, I'm I'm not going to suddenly become Mister Trade Up Guy uh, at all. Um, I do think the lines at six could find themselves kind of in with a hand in the empty pockets type of situation where none of the guys that they prefer to have is there, um, which, which might be a disappointment uh, and maybe an opportunity to trade down. Um, But I think some people look at the Lions roster and be like, it's pretty good right now. Maybe you you, you take that risk. And we were just talking about that too, when it comes to maybe drafting a quarterback, maybe this loosens them up to draft a quarterback. Maybe this loosens them up to go up and, and, and swing for the, the top defensive player in, in the draft class. Um, but I, th- I think I'm with you that it, it kind of goes against what this team is doing. And I know you can look to last year as a trade up for, for Jamison Williams as, as a counter example. Yeah. And, and that's fair. Um, but the, the lines have just always made it clear that this is all about keeping the window open for as long. It's about continued success. It's not about making one run for one season it's about utilizing your cap space, utilizing your draft picks in a way that keeps that window open as long as possible so that you're the Steelers, you're the Ravens, you're the Packers, you're the the Chiefs. You're you're these teams that are perennial winners, maybe not perennial Super Bowl winners, but are always going to be in that conversation. And that's what they want to be and I think trading up aggressively when you don't have to. And that that's another thing that they always say, like, we're not going to do things that we don't have to. We're not going to overspend in free agency if we don't have to. We're not going to draft a quarterback if we don't have to. So we're not going to go up and get the best defender, get the second or third best quarterback in this draft if we don't have to. And they don't have to. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. I promise we're going to get into some Jalen Carter talk. Let's do it right now. Uh, old Christopher 
on Twitter asks us, what's more likely for Detroit, Jalen Carter at six or Cansey at 18? Now, here's the thing. I'm going to say Cansey at 18 because I don't think Jalen Carter is there at six. Oh, come if, on. If, oh, oh, oh okay, here's my caveat. If Jalen Carter is there at six and Cansey is there at 18, they take Jalen Carter. I know that it goes against what people are saying. I I I get it. I get why people are, are trepidatious about uh, some of the things going on. But this kid has a long – he has a history of, of being a smart kid who's caring, and he made a massive mistake, okay? And he made a bad mistake on one night, and that – that mistake that he made has carried over into this offseason. There's legality stuff. And then he has a bad pro day. Um, I think a lot of it that, though, uh, in my personal opinion, was that he had his court date right around his pro day. Like, I think there was there was a lot going on and a lot of stresses that were going on with him. And I think he should have opted against doing that pro day. But for me to think that to to say that this kid is entirely what he can be as a person is based around one act, I think is a bit overzealous in our characterization of him. Uh, we don't know all the details. And I think that it's, it's can be, uh, it can be awfully harsh of us to uh, speculate beyond or, or, or how, much this might linger into his professional life or his life long-term. The teams are going to know, the teams are going to do their research. The teams are going to uh, figure out if this is a character issue, if this is a potential repeating behavior, the teams will look into that stuff from our perspective. We don't have that. And so we look at the, what the talent is on the field. We look at what the needs are. And this is a kid that would fill a massive need instantly uh, the biggest need that they have. And I think it's very possible if this is an isolated incident, or if this is something that, you know, they're comfortable with his answer. I absolutely think that, that he would be the pick and he would, and it would be a valuable pick on the field. Yeah. And I don't think there's any question that the, the talent, the football talent is Game changing, right? This is a guy that I think there was a best, pl- best player in football last two years, right? There and there was conversations about him being the number one pick in the draft. Not yeah, that probably long. still are, right? Like, oh well, before the trade, before the <clears throat> trade. Sorry, right? Um, a character evaluation is so incredibly hard to do, and I think publicly, we're way too eager to paint things black and white. Yeah, we're way eager to say like Jalen Carter was involved in this terrible tragedy. He's a bad person. Jalen Carter was eight pounds heavier than than he was at the combine and he looked sluggish. He's lazy. There's so much more going on in between everyone's head, my head, everyone's head that it's it's very hard. To know what you're going to get in the future, it's very hard to know how a young kid is going to mature. And so yeah. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say anything definitively. I think it would be foolish for me to say 
He's completely off the Lions board. I think it would be foolish for me to say the Lions don't have a problem with it. I don't know. Yeah. And they probably don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know. You can talk to a million people that know him, and you're not necessarily going to get a clear picture of who this person is as a person because they're growing, they're changing, they're evolving. They might not be, they might be an introvert and not not kind of let everyone in on what's going on with them. And so it's hard for me to do a character evaluation on him. It, it, it'll be hard for the people that professional lives revolve around doing such a thing. But there are a lot of, there are a lot of things to, to, to keep in mind here, right? There's, I've, I've seen some analysts suggest Detroit's a great place for someone like him to go because he's going to be surrounded by a great football environment a healthy football environment and people he can bounce ideas off of and, and, and learn from. I get some of that. There are people suggesting that he's a turd. You know, the, the one thing that, that Dan Campbell says he doesn't want is he, he's a turd. Maybe there's some truth to that. There's people suggesting. I like suggesting and bringing up the fact that Dan Campbell said a couple times now, like we don't need choir boys. We don't need guys that are straight A seeing their tests. Um, he, he, look at their look at their most recent signing, right? John, Johnson, Garner, Garner Johnson. Now Garner Johnson is not a choir boy. They they already had a pretty good character evaluation on that guy. Sure, since they they've had him in building, but it, it it speaks to your overall point there, which is you don't have to be a perfect human being. You don't have to be like this Dan Campbell prototype of guy who only does everything right, only lives football. Um, and in fact, he said, and, and he didn't really say it in, in the, the best way, but last year there was that whole thing about him talking about there was a guy who was drinking all the time when he was away from field the field. But once he walked in that building, he was all business. So you can have mm-hmm. whatever kind of things going on outside of football, but once you walk in through those doors, you have to be a monster. And maybe that's who Jalen Carter is. I think you can still square what's happened outside of football, even square what happened at the pro day and still have a Jalen Carter who is going to kick all sorts of ass when you put him on the field. And then a lot of people think that's who he is too. Yeah. So I think teammates, it's yeah, teammates vouch for him. Coaches vouch for him. That's not out of the, that's not out of character. Yeah. Uh, but like at the same time, if they didn't, that would be very notable. Right. Right. Um, you know, as college kids, People do stupid stuff. Granted, being in the spotlight, he should know better than to involve himself in, in, in bad decisions. But when you're 20 years old, you make bad decisions. And this was a really, really bad one. So um, the question, you know, the the, the question that, that everyone wants answered is something that we're not going to we're probably we're not going to get answered before the draft, which yeah. is. Is this something to be concerned about? Because each team is going to have a different level of concern and we don't know where it is, uh, where, you know, where the Lions lie in that. I do know that they, on the field, they have a massive hole at defensive tackle. And this kid is the best defensive tackle to come out in a few years. And so maybe this is, maybe they anticipate, maybe they're anticipating him falling. Or maybe their plan is something entirely different, and <laughs> and they're they're going to trade for Ed Oliver, right? Like, right. which is the a very popular thing, which I am completely on board with. Um, well, um, let, me, let me get to Kalijah Cansey really quick because I want to make sure we talk yeah. about him too. Because yeah, there 
there I think there's kind of a split amongst Lions fans is like this is a team <clears> that need, need really needs to stop the run why would they get a you know 600 you know, 61 281 pound defensive tackle who's mm-hmm. primarily a pass rusher to help them and then there's yep. some that are like I mean I I want I want to try to get through this segment without saying that guy that everyone compares him to but thinks that maybe he has Clodge Cansey has this ability right. to absolutely wreck football games by being a menace with that quick can first we, step in the past. Instead of instead of skirting around it, let's <laughs> let's let's just tackle this head on. Okay. Okay. Just because he played at Pittsburgh and just because he's six <laughs> one and two eighty doesn't make him Aaron Donald. Okay? okay. And just because Brad Holmes has was part of the regime that drafted Aaron Donald doesn't mean that Brad Holmes is going to be in love with him. But Kalash Cansey is probably he's probably more Ed Oliver. Than Aaron, than Aaron okay. Donald. And I just just told you I'm on board with that, Ed Oliver, right? Sure. So, like, and then you also have to look at the fact that Brad Holmes took uh, Levi Onzerike at 6'2 and a half, 290. Sure. So it's not like Levi was this like towering menace of a man who he put weight on. Yeah. And then had all of a sudden got back injuries. I wonder, you know, maybe we'll see. But, but like, He's not opposed to drafting undersized defensive linemen if they have trait X, trait, you know, trait Y and trait Z, right? And and Cancy has a lot of those things that Levi had, which was first step quickness and excuse me, ability to pass to rush the passer in unique ways. He doesn't have that nose tackle experience or that run stuffing experience that 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 uh Levi had, but there's going to be appeal to Kansi about Kansi that makes him a guy that fits in with this scheme. If you're looking at the defensive tackle group and you're saying we need more interior pass rush, he's going to be a guy that that, that they're going to consider for that because he's going to be one outside of Jalen Carter. He's going to probably your best pass rushing interior guy. And if they look at it and they say, Hey, no, we need a run plugger. Well, then Kansi's not going to be in the conversation, you know, right. no matter how close to Levi he is or at Oliver he is or not. Right. Um, so really depends on, on what style of defensive tackle that they're looking for, but I'm absolutely not ruling him out of the mix at 18 because he fits the profile of what Holmes has done with Levi. I don't care about the other Pittsburgh tackle comparisons and stuff. Like he's still going to be in that conversation, but you know, I, I got to figure out, I'm still working on, is he, is 18 where he fits or, you know, is it, let's start trading around and try and get into a better spot where, where, you know, they might like him because this tackle class, defensive tackle class has guys that fit both those roles. Do you right. want that plugger? Do you want that pass rusher? And they, you, you can find, you can find both, if, if, but you just got to get to the right spots. All right. Last question here. Uh, we're going to stick with the draft here from between the numbers on Twitter. Uh, asks, who are two players the Lions could come out of in the first round that would be significant 2023 contributors? Adds that draft is about long-term, not short, but I think they want at least one guy to be a high-floor contributor. And yeah, this goes into our conversation we were having before, which is that the Lions are in a good spot right now that they should be drafting with the long-term in mind, and that might mean not getting a ton of production out of the guy Mm -hmm. they pick at six, the guy they pick at 18, the guy they pick in the second round. But who are some of those guys that you think could make a year one impact? I, I think it's it's really about depth. You have to look at depth at the position 
and then who might be there in the first round. Right. right? So like we just defensive tackle yep. is just right for the picking. Yep. So if, if you draft a guy like Carter, he's big impact, yep. right? You draft a guy like Cansey, he's probably going to have a nice impact because he's going to be he's something that they don't have on the interior, right? So um, you know if they draft Brian Brise, like again, maybe he's a guy who can make a more instant impact because there's not as much depth on the interior. Um, you you know if you draft an edge rusher, you're probably not getting an instant uh, instant. Same thing with linebacker and the values there. Same thing with secondary. You're probably not getting yeah, instant say. impact guys in the secondary, right? Like. So I, I see where this sh- conversation is heading, and I don't so like now it. You sh- now you shift <laughs> offense. Quarterback is probably not instant impact. Um, so it's a, an offensive line is probably not. So it's probably a skill player, right? Yeah. And we all know who your favorite skill player is. <laughs> like you want instant impact, draft Jalen Carter at six and Bijan Robinson at 18, and you got two instant impact players. What you draft for the future. So obviously both of those moves are incorrect. <laughs> uh, but, well, let, I'm answering the question. You, you I'm an, that's no, what the question you're right. was. You're right. And I was, if you weren't going to bring him up, I was, um, <laughs> do we, do we sneak tight end into this conversation as well? Cause I know, I feel like tight end takes are Certainly. all over the damn yeah. place right now, Eric. Yeah. I feel like there are some people that say the lines don't value tight end. They'll never value tight end. They're not going to draft a first round tight end. You're an idiot. If you draft a tight end. All right, let's, let's hold it. I had this take and I, I can't remember if you, I think you were on the show. Yeah. I think it was a, a Spotify live. It was, it was that everyone thinks they traded away TJ Hawkinson. They don't value tight ends. My argument is that they, they didn't one They didn't want to pay TJ Hawkinson. Like that was probably yeah. the primary force of why they didn't, why they traded him. I agree and, with that. And, and whether Brett Holmes wants to admit it or not, they, they probably didn't view themselves as a contender in 2023 or 2022. And then my argument is that if they find a tight end that they really, really like, they will adjust the scheme. It's not that the Lions scheme doesn't value tight ends, that they need all these blocking tight ends that'll catch a bunch of red zone touchdowns. It's that that's what they have now, that they traded TJ Hawkinson. If they find a guy, whether it's Darnell Washington, Michael Mayer, whoever it is, if they find a guy that they really like that can do a lot of things, why would they pass that up? I don't think they would. I think they would get him and find a way to use him because does, does Ben Johnson feel like the kind of guy does this entire regime feel like the regime that's like, we want very specific players. We want this. We want that. If we don't get that, we're not going to be able to find a way to use these guys since they've walked in the building. It's we're going to find guys and, and make our system fit them. So if they find a tight end that they like at 18, and I know that's going to drive people nuts. I'm mm-hmm. not counting it out of the question. Well, there's really two guys that you consider there. And that's Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington, in my opinion. Sure. Um, and you and the reason you're considering them is because they also have bring that blocking element yes. that I think Hawkinson never really never really found, right? Yeah. Um if you look though at their combine visits, right? Like they're doing they did a lot of work on on day two tight ends as well. Um, so I do think taking a tight end in with one of those five picks is definitely in the cards just because it gives you some, like, if you can, if you can get a balanced tight end, it just, 
elevates that unit a little bit more. But the key, the two key factors, I think you were right on with, like they needed they needed price to go down, and they needed a, a different type of skill set, uh, one more blocking based, yeah. and so. Because that, I think they're looking for those two things. It, 18 seems a bit rich for me um, because it's, I don't like taking blocking tight ends. You know what I mean? It, then again, like Michael Mayer is a very balanced guy. So I totally get that. I'm not a fan of 18. I could definitely, um, if you're taking a guy, if you're taking one at 48, all right, I, I, that's, that's palatable for me for sure. Yeah. Our, our good buddy Colton Pouncey over at the athletic did a, a mock draft for with, all of the athletic folks and, and got it. He did the, uh, we're going to call it at this point, the, the Brett Whitefield, which is trading up into the first round for a third <laughs> first round pick. And I believe he grabbed Darnell Washington. I don't remember what he the did. pick was 27, um, 27. There you go. And, and a lot of people, I think were a little upset with that. And I under, I understand it, especially trading up to get a tight end. So spending more mm. than just first round pick and, and, and additional ones. But I, I think Lions fans should yeah. at least be a little bit more open to the idea and not, not carry the scars from previous regimes when it comes so, to tight end. So Colton took uh, Banks at 18, the corner. Banks, yep. And then traded up to get to 27. If I was Colton, I would have traded back from 18 to 27, then took my tight end and got Ed Oliver. Right? <laughs> it's always easy to trade for Ed Oliver when you're using that PFF draft guide um all right we're gonna close things up there uh thank you to eric first of all for covering my ass during free agency the entire time and making some time to uh break away from his hibernation in the past two days uh to to answer all of your questions thank you to everyone who supported us during free agency week and uh begged us to come back for this week uh hopefully you enjoyed this episode we are back on schedule um we're, we're gonna have a whole bunch more uh about free agency we're gonna bring in some some new faces to help us learn about our new free agents we're gonna start bringing in the mock drafts all that sort of stuff and obviously everything we were doing before so appreciate everyone who's listening appreciate eric appreciate the fans guys until next time it's chaos be kind More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.